Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Community is Our Middle Name podcast presented by Grampians Community Health. My name is Gareth Oliver. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If it's your first time, welcome. And I hope that uh, you enjoy the discussion I'm going to have, which is with Jeff Davies, who is a movement disorder nurse at Grampians Community Health. Now, full disclosure, I didn't know what a movement disorder nurse was. I didn't know what his role entailed. So I sat down with Jeff and we had a bit of a chat about it. And it was a real eye-opener for me as to what he does and also to uh, to the conditions that he works with, stuff like Parkinson's disease, people suffering from multiple sclerosis, MND, things like that, and just how prevalent some of those are in our parts of the world, which is actually quite scary. I hope you enjoy this show, and I hope that you guys learn a thing or two as well. And without further ado, here's my discussion with Jeff Davies. I'm here this week with Jeff Davies, who is a movement disorder nurse. Jeff, thanks for giving us some time. I know it's a bit short notice, but thanks for coming on. G'day, Gareth. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. It's been an interesting couple of weeks doing this podcast, from earthquakes last week to um, to a bit of a kerfuffle today, but we won't get into that too much. Movement disorder nurse, what, what actually is a movement disorder nurse? Can you tell us a bit about what you do? Uh, well, I, do, I deal in movement disorders. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, I've been waiting to do that since you rang me up. Uh, well, <laughs> movement disorder. Well, I'm a um, I'm a registered nurse, and I deal in in uh, movement disorders. It's generally, a neurological disorder disorders, so disorders that affect the brain, then then later on contribute to uh, decline in movements, altered movements, and those sorts of things. Things like Parkinson's disease and multiple sclerosis, MND, and even things like Tourette's. Tourette's is considered a, a, a movement disorder as well. So you're, an, you're a registered nurse by trade? Yep. How yep. long have you been doing that for? Uh, I studied. I started studying in 2004. I did my uh, enrolled nurse first up, so I did 12 months, and then I studied on and did a bachelor. So I finished that in 2008, and from then I've been working uh, basically on the stroke and cardiac ward at Ballarat Base and... and uh, and uh, up north, working in Aboriginal communities in the in the northern, the ter- mostly in the territory, but in WA as well. So, so what made you want to make the change over to to the movement disorder stuff from working in the the stroke wards? Uh, well, I think it's just probably just a natural, prog- not so much a progression. It's you know, I don't want to say that nursing can become humdrum, but nursing can become it becomes heavy work, you know. And I'm not as young as I used to be, and and the physical side of of uh, ward nursing was probably becoming too much for me. I'm mm. um, not as fit as strong as I used to be, so um, then I, I was lucky enough that this position came up in with Grampians Community Health, and I was fortunate enough to get it. Yeah, look, I get what you're saying. I think we all need a bit of a change from time to time. We can get stuck in a bit of a in a bit of a rut with the with the, the work that we do. Do you enjoy doing this sort of stuff? Yeah, it's been great. It's been fantastic. It's been a real eye opener for me. It's certainly different to the sort of other stuff that I've done, even uh, like clinic nursing in the territory and that sort of stuff. Vastly different to that. Uh, so it's, yeah, I've enjoyed every minute of it so far. And it takes you right across Western Victoria, doesn't it? So uh, we were talking earlier. You're, you're off to Sanana tomorrow, and I know that you go up up past around Nil. Um, no, no, I don't go that far. My my allocated areas are Northern Grampian Shire, Pyrenees Shire, and Ararat Rural City. So I sort of do from Stall across to Sanana 
down to Beaufort, across to Lake Bolac, Willora's under me, Hall's Gap, Hall's Gap's part of me, Budja Budja, and then that's sort of my area, which is, I wouldn't want to walk around it. No, it's a big enough area. It's a, I mean, you even think Ararat to Lake Bolac is, is 50 k's, and when you've got to cover, you know, yeah. such a large area, you probably will have met some interesting people doing it though, Jeff. Ah, uh, yeah, it's been good so far. I've met some, some characters, yeah. Yeah, I can't say too much, of course, but I've met some oh, characters. Yeah, no, of course, we can't can't say too much. The people you work with, are they mainly older people or is there they're more younger people than you thought there might be? Uh, yeah, generally they're older people. Predominantly this sort of stuff is based around Parkinson's. Yep. Uh, so it generally it generally affects older people. It does affect younger people, but in a small, lot, lot smaller numbers, so generally it's older people, yeah. I think the most famous Parkinson's sufferer in the world is probably Michael J. Fox, who got it when he was... Quite yeah, young. yeah, he was in his in his late twenties, early thirties, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is there is a thing. There's early onset Parkinson and there's young onset Parkinson's, which is uh, oh, I've read cases where people in their early twenties have got. It. I mean, worldwide studies where the people in their in their twenties have, have have got it. So, so yeah, which is terribly sad. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Before we started recording this, I was doing a bit bit of research into Parkinson's, and I. I found an article that The Guardian did an interview with Michael J. Fox last year, and he was on a TV show in Canada as a teenager, and four other cast members of that show all ended up with early-onset Parkinson's. Said right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we're not sure exactly what triggers Parkinson's, whether it's genetic or no. environmental. But um, No, no, there is some research shows that, that along that lines tends to be environmental and there is some genetics in it as well. There's a there's a gene called the Parkin gene that um they're sort of blaming a lot of it on, but that's in the earlier stages, in the early earlier onset stuff, not so much the in the elderly. So we'll we'll stick with Parkinson's for a little while. What sort of stuff do you do with, with the people you work with who have Parkinson's disease? So you go to someone's someone's house, I'm assuming, or to a local yeah. Uh, do you go to, to the to the hospitals or? Yeah, I'd go wherever people want me to go. I'm pretty easy to go. Yeah, I've yeah, known Jeff since I was a kid. Can confirm. Yeah, so so you went to someone's house. What would be something you would do with someone with Parkinson's, and and how would would you help them if they, with their day to day living? Well, what we do is we just we do, we do like a, an environmental assessment. So we just go we I'd go through any obstacles that might be in the house. You know, things that make houses unsafe, whether it's uh, you know stairs, internal stairs, and that sort of thing, uh, ramps in and out of front and back doors, and any sort. Lots of older people tend not to throw things out, so lots of houses have got lots of well, I call it clutter. So that sort of thing. Well, what we're trying to do is reduce the risk with an environmental assessment. Re- reduce because people fall anyway but we're just trying to reduce the risk of people falling. Because of the complications that come with falling, you know, people are frail and and bones are brittle and that sort of thing. And the last thing you want to be doing is if you've got a a chronic condition like Parkinson's disease is then add to your issues with, you know, bone fractures and that sort of stuff. So we try and alleviate uh, any of those sorts of problems. And then I do a a clinical assessment, go through medications, um, medical history, family history, social issues, all that sort of stuff. And from there, I've, we formulate a bit of a plan on support we need to get to, to well to keep. I think the, the the plan, the whole plan of it is to keep people home for as long as we can and as safe as we can. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what it is. And from there, we get like I said, we get services in to try and keep people safe and strong and healthy and that sort of stuff. And and then when things are up and about, I work from the other end between the doctors. 
should they have any issues between doctors, neurologists and that sort of thing back to the patient, then I can liaise between those sorts of roles. So you, you take a real holistic approach to this sort of stuff. Yeah, sort of thing. yeah, yeah. Well, it's about quality of life for me. I mean... You know, I mean, it's, it's it's tough enough to be to be living with with a with a chronic movement disorder. You know, the complexities of the movement disorder bring are, are horrendous. You know, I just, I mean, everybody's seen the old man that sits in the corner with Parkinson's. When he sits, he's got that, you know, the noticeable shake or tremor in his hand. When he stands up, it disappears. You know, a resting tremor that's called. So. For somebody to drink a cup of tea, drink soup and that sort of stuff, it's, it's horrendous. So, and that's not the only issues that goes with it. They're the issues you, you, you physically see, but there's internal things that go on as well, you know, that, um, that cause enormous problems. And I'd imagine mentally it would be tough for a lot of these people too. Oh, yeah. Around here, you're probably dealing with a lot of people who were from farming backgrounds or, or had worked in blue-collar industry most of their life, had always worked with their hands, had always worked with their body, and for them now to, to to have those issues, I'm sure it would be really mentally tough for them. Yeah, there's a real stigma. Not in every case. I think it probably depends on your personality. But some people do have a real embarrassment about it. You know, they become they become insular, inward, isolated because of the embarrassment of you know, like I'm saying, you can't drink a cup of tea or you can't have a bowl of soup and that sort of thing. Yeah, people can become isolated. Yeah. So is that part of your role as well to deal with any any of those sort of issues, or, to, or would you then liaise with with a counsellor or or yeah, uh, yeah, someone like that, yeah, or a neurologist. Yeah. Well, it's probably a counsellor thing more so than a neurologist, you know. So we'd, we'd get counsellors involved as, get any sort of um, service involved that we can, like I was saying, to, to improve. Well, you probably in a lot of cases you probably can't improve your quality of life, but if we can maintain the quality of life that people have for as long as we possibly can, you know, to sort of, in some cases you may slow the progression of the disease. So if we can do that sort of thing, then... Um, I think it makes life a lot better for it's about quality of life, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's that's why people come into these fields, I guess, isn't it? We want to make sure that people's quality of life is at a at a reasonable standard, mm. and to try and keep people living at home and out of any care facilities. If yeah. that's not something that people are really keen to do as they get a bit older. Um, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about what Parkinson's does to the body? Uh, well, Parkinson's disease, it, it's in, what it is, it's a neuro, neurological degeneration, okay? So it means basically that the brain doesn't work as well as it used to. You know, you get mixed messages when you, uh, well, I'll tell you. So motor neuron, a motor neuron is like the electrical impulse that sends from the brain to the muscle. So it's like the light switch in your house. You, you turn on the light switch, the electricity runs to the light bulb, says turn the light bulb on and then it returns to where it goes. Well, Basically, the nervous system of the of the humans the same. So when you when your brain says I want to bend your right arm, the brain sends a muscle electrical signal to the muscles to the bicep to shorten. So, but to, to do for the bicep to shorten at the front, it has to relax the tricep at the back. So you have to relaxing and and a flexion muscles a flexion action. So one muscle tightens and one muscle releases. And this is based on so you can then straight so then you can return it the other way. So to return it, the tricep has to tighten and the bicep has to um, release. So Parkinson's actually, I was reading this before uh, you and I spoke. Is actually there's a, there's a higher um, prevalence of Parkinson's in the western and northwestern parts of, of the of our state, including areas that we service like Northern Grampians, like Horsham, Rural City, Yarri, Ambiac. And Bullock, I'm, I'm not asking you to definitively say why that is, but 
if you had to had to guess, what would be your your guess at it from your sort of experience dealing with these disorders and also living growing up in this part of the world? Well, a lot of the science and the research is is trying to is trying to pin this. Uh, a lot of the stuff on the use of insecticides, pesticides, herbicides, and solvents and heavy metals and that sort of stuff. Now, it's still unproven, but a lot of the research is leading along that way. So um, you can imagine from the area that I service, like we said earlier, Sanana to uh, to Stall and, and further south, how much grain's actually grown in that area and how much um, chemical that farmers put on. I was talking to a doctor in Sanana. Oh, six months ago now, I suppose, when I was first introducing the program. And she told me that the average farmer around Sonata spends between three and $400,000 a year on sprays. Wow. Well, that's horrifying. I mean, even, even if it's $1,000 a gallon, it's still 300 gallons, isn't it? It's an awful lot of insecticides and pesticides and... And it's got to go somewhere, so it's got to Absolutely. go in, into the air for them to breathe or it's got to go under the food for us to eat or into the water for us to drink, so... I was horrified by how much it was. That's legitimately shocked me to, to hear that. And then you're right, it has to go somewhere. Um, and if it is, you know, grain grown country, which it is, yeah, it, it really does make you wonder, doesn't it? About yeah, yeah. Well, I think of I think of the areas that that base these movement disorder nurses, and there's me at Stall, and there's one at Horsham, and there's one at Warwick Nabeel, and and there's a new lady started down at Warnable. Of the of the um. The numbers, I think the numbers were actually the highest in the Bull Oakshire. Now, Donald, Warwick, Nabeel, all those areas around, grow an awful lot of grain. Yeah, and that's that's what I found too. Like I said, when I, I did my little bit of research before coming on, that those, those four I mentioned, Horsham, Bull Oak, Yarri Ambiak, which is around that Warwick, Nabeel area, yeah. and um, Northern Grampians, um, it is a bit of a shock to think about when you, you know, when you live around this area, when you've grown up around this area. You know, a lot of us have have relatives who are farmers or have worked on farms. It just, mm. yeah, mm. It, it's it's really quite scary. Let's talk about motor neuron disease or MND. It's commonly known. It's this is probably really well known now in Australia because of Neil Danaher, the former Melbourne yeah. coach, um, Essendon and, and Swans player. I've had some experience with with MND. Um, my grandmother, your your auntie, actually had MND when she when she passed away. It's a horrible thing. It's a really mm. horrible thing to see someone have. Can you explain a little bit about a little bit more about what MND does? I know you touched on it earlier. Especially, is it treatable? Is there anything you can do to in your nah, role to help someone nah. with MND? No, nah, these neurodegenerative conditions aren't aren't treatable. They're not curable. They there are some management issues that can, that they can use use with them, but is limited the right word to use? I think that it's quite limited. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So MND, as you said, is is Involves sort of um, the neurological pathway from your brain to your muscles, spine as well, the spine and the brain, and yeah. that sort of thing. It affects it affects movements in the in the excuse me in the arms and the legs, in the mouth and in the respiratory system. Breathing becomes an issue, swallowing becomes an issue. You know, movement becomes an issue. Yeah, and actually, I, I know when uh, my grandmother um, was near the end, she had real issues with swallowing and, and coughing and things mm. like that. Yeah, which. Back in those days, we didn't know anything about MND. We didn't even know what it was until um, uh, it used uh, to be called Lou Gehrig's disease, from memory. Actually, Lou Gehrig's is a form of, of uh, motor neuron. It's, it's ALS, and it's called. Uh, it's got one of those medical terms. That's about each one's about that long. It's called. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, it's it's known as ALS more in the States, isn't it? And, um, I think it's probably known as Lou Gehrig's more in the States and probably ALS more over here. Because Lou yeah. Gehrig was a famous baseballer, of course. Yeah, New York Yankees. How much do you see in relation to MND uh, in your role? How many How many people do you think you would see compared to maybe Parkinson's sufferers? Well, at this stage, I don't have any motor neurone sufferers. I've got uh, one multiple sclerosis sufferer and then some others that have minor... Um, movement disorders, but the majority of Parkinson's, probably about 50% of them would be Parkinson's affected. And mostly They're male about, or mostly female? Well, in all honesty, I think my numbers are probably mostly female, but that flies in the face of, of numbers in general. In general, these sorts of degenerative uh, disorders tend to favour men over women. And is there any any science behind that, or is it just they're not no, sure? Just, or? Just, the, just the numbers that come out through uh, a lot of research that's done. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Jeff, we might just take a very, very short break, and we'll be back very soon. We'll, we might talk a little bit about some of the other conditions that you've come across in your role as the movement disorder nurse. Communities Our Middle Name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health is your local provider for a range of services across the Wimmerant Grampians region, including alcohol and other drug support, carer support, community aged care and disability support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management, counselling across a wide range of sectors, homelessness support, gambler's help, community mental health support, and much, much more. If you want to learn more about Grampians Community Health, head to our website, gch.org.au, or give us a call Monday to Friday, 5358-7400. We also have offices based in Ararat, Horsham and Stall. Grampians Community Health, for you, your family and our community, and proud to bring you the Community's Aminal Name podcast. I'm here with Jeff Davies, who is a movement disorder nurse here at Grampians Community Health, working mainly across the northern Grampians, Arrow Rural City and Pyrenees Shire areas. Jeff, we talked before the break a bit about Parkinson's and a bit about motor neurone disease. I know that some of the other disorders you might deal with include uh, ones like Huntington's disease. Now, I don't know much about Huntington's. Can you, can you give us a little bit of info about what Huntington's actually is? Well, in years gone by, Gareth, uh, Huntington's was, con- was known as Huntington's chorea, and chorea, the medical term for chorea, is basically an uncontrolled action. So you, people have like a real twitch, twitch to them, and, and, and it's uncontrollable. So it's almost yeah. like a like a seizure style, or? or almost to an extent, like a seizure. If you if you ever see anybody with Huntington's, you'd say, "Oh, that, that's what it is." You know, it's it's, it's difficult to explain, but if you ever yep. saw it, you'd say, "Oh, that's Huntington's," where the people can twitch sort of uncontrollably, not little tiny fine motor twitches, you know, half action twitches. So big full body sort of things. Full, full body. It can be full body. You know, that sort of thing. Uncontrolled twitching. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I should release the video of this chat. So, so people can actually see you demonstrating it. But, uh, I do that. I do that. Um, I look like and, I'm dancing. <laughs> You're very good dance moves, Jeff. Um, is, is Huntington's as as common as something like, say, Parkinson's? Nah, 
No, I haven't seen any Huntington's yet. In fact, I don't recall ever nursing anybody with Huntington's disease. That doesn't mean I haven't, but I don't recall uh, ever nursing anybody with Huntington's. So it, I haven't seen it at all in my nursing time. Yeah, so it's it's not something that's as prevalent. And like we said before the break, Parkinson's is is quite uh, prevalent in this part of the yeah. world, especially yeah. further north you go. Yeah. Um, well, they started a program like my program at Golden Valley Health at Shepparton uh, about maybe five or six or seven years ago, and uh, 75%, I think, of their clientele was 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 Parkinson's disease. Yeah, you, you don't realise just how big it is in, nah. in this country. Nah. It's, it's not a it's not a sexy subject. It's not something that gets talked about unless it nah. is like we talked about Michael J. Fox earlier. Unless it happens to someone famous or Muhammad yeah. Ali was another one, wasn't he? Yeah, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And it was the same with the, with the MND, like as we said before the break. It wasn't something I really knew even after my grandmother got diagnosed with it. But we all know, uh, you know, know what it is at least now, thanks to the, the hard yeah. work of, of Neil, Neil Danaher. And it's a bit of a shame that it has to get to that stage, really, where you need someone with a bit of a profile to be able yeah. to... Yeah, yeah. well, Stephen Hawking had uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS as well as well and he survived with it for I think he was diagnosed 60 years or something before he passed away which yeah. is really extraordinary because I think lifespan generally is uh, I think double figures just about pulls a lot of people up wow well then that just yeah that shows how extraordinary it was that he, mm. he yeah. and achieved everything he did as well which, yeah. which shows that it, it's not necessarily something that that is a life sentence in as much as you can still if you use Stephen Hawking as an example, I know that he's probably not the best example because he's genius level intellect. But there, there's still ways that people can can be part of society and do things even with yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, so Particularly with Parkinson's disease, because Parkinson's disease won't actually take your life. You'll you'll die with it, not from it. Yeah. Whereas other other disorders and diseases will actually be the cause. Yeah, I know what you mean. So you also spoke a little bit about Tourette's. Now, you said you don't know a huge amount about Tourette's. Nah, but, I don't. But can we bust one myth? Yeah. On, on, we busted a few last week on this podcast. Let's bust one today. Tourette's isn't always people swearing at the top of their lungs every every 30 <laughs> seconds like you see on movies and TV, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, people, they make noises, make sounds. They have, they have like an, like an inner, something on the inside that basically forces them to make this noise, sound, word, whatever the case may be. There is cases where people do actually swear and, but it's really rare. It's really rare. Yeah. And it's also not just, not just the vocalizations. It's also body ticks as well. <laughs> body ticks as well, mate. Yeah. Um, and that's not something you've, you've come across much in your career. Nah, no, um, again, I don't recall any Tourette's, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been there. Nah. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about this during the break. The involuntary swearing is called coprolalia. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one, the other vocal tick that involves speech with Tourette's is repeating other people's words called echolalia. Okay. Echolalia, so, I understand that. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think I've, I might have taught you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew the swearing one, but I didn't know about the repeating. Repeating. And you also have. I'm, I remember being a basketball fan. There was an NBA player who had Tourette's, and he used to just make random noises. Yeah. Record yeah. just sort of like you know, shouting noises or. or Whipping yeah. noises, and we we don't know what causes Tourette's or anything, do we? No, I don't think so. No, no, it's just one of those, you know, neurological issues that's probably a chemical imbalance somewhere, and 
things just don't work properly. You also talked a bit about MS. Is that something yeah. you've worked along? Uh, yeah, I've got a I've got a, a client that has MS at the, on, on my list at the minute. Yeah. So, what are the symptoms and signs of, of MS? Well, MS again, it's it's a it's a neurological disorder that that affects the um the signalling system. And what happens is is the nervous system in the human body has um a, a fatty outer layer called myelin, which helps with the conduction of of the electrical impulses. And the myelin gets broken down for for some reason. It's it what happens? The body's immune system basically attacks the myelin, attacks itself for the reasons that they don't know why, and it breaks it down. So it affects all the signalling systems to muscle and those sorts of things. So some of the symptoms, Jeff, and you've probably seen some of these, um, blurred vision, double vision, some issues around there, um, difficulty speaking and slurred speech, some tremors, especially in the hands and, hands and limbs, and cramping, difficulty walking, things like that. Do you work with many MS people? I've got one on my list at, uh, at the minute, Gareth, yeah. And do you work differently with that person as you would with someone with Parkinson's? Uh, well, this person's younger than the, younger in um, in, in age, of course. They're not sort of as far progressed as a lot of the Parkinson's people I have. Mm. Uh, this person still manages to. She, they're trying to get back to work to, to get back to do a bit of part time work. Was diagnosed, I think, about six years ago from memory, and they're trying to get back to do a bit of bit of part time work. And while things aren't going as well as they, they're having difficulty with things like driving the car. They're really concerned about. Uh, strength in their legs about applying brakes hard enough, fast enough and those sorts of things. So while they're going okay, things are starting to, um, you know, starting to slow down. So safety yeah. becomes an issue there. And unlike some of those other ones we talked about, MS can come in at a much younger age, can't it? It's yeah, yeah. around anywhere between 20 and, and 40, which is quite yeah. scary. Yeah. Well, I, well, I did a clinical placement as a student nurse 15 years ago, whatever it was, and did it with um, district nursing here in Ballarat and actually went to a house of a lady that was really progressed along with with MS and she'd been at school probably a couple of years behind me when I was there. So she would have been uh, in her early 40s, I suppose, 42 yeah. or 3 or something like that. She was bed bound, and yeah, it was it was horrible. Yeah, it's 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 one that can hit people. That um, you know, we we often think of these things as as stuff that happens to older people. But uh, MS mm. is is definitely not one of those things that can hit nah. you from any time. You basically you you hit adulthood until till yeah. till the end. Jeff, if anyone would like to get in touch with with you about maybe coming out to see a family member or their service, how what how would people you know get an appointment to, to for you to come out and see them? Well, unlike other, other lots of other medical stuff, you don't need a, a, a medical referral to get in. If they just contact the girls at intake, uh, they'll take the referral notice, the referral details, and get it on to me, and then I'll arrange to go out and see anybody that needs to be seen, and we'll go from there. So that's Grampians Community Health. Give them a call five three five eight seven four double zero. Said at the start, you're enjoying the gig, Jeff. Have you enjoyed yeah. doing this podcast? <laughs> Absolutely, Gareth. You beauty. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I really appreciate your time. This was problem, um, this was sort of last minute, so thank you very much. It's been inform- I've learned quite a bit. I hope people listening have learned a bit as well. And thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks again, Jeff, for joining me on this week's episode of the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting to have a chat with you and learn a bit about what you actually 
do what the movement disorder nurse actually does and a little bit more about some of these uh, conditions such as Parkinson's disease that we uh, see across our community, sadly, and that, um, that you assist people to, to live with. This has been another episode of Community is Our Middle Name podcast, and that is presented, of course, by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across the following areas, the Northern Grampians Shire, Arrett Rural City Council, Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire and Yarriambiak Shire. So we're, we cover a fair area across the, the Wimmera Grampians. For more information about our services, head to our website, www.gch.org.au or give us a call Monday to Friday between 9 and 5, 5358 7400. You can also follow us on social media, so www.facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health or on Instagram and Twitter, jump on search for the at GCH Grampians handle. The intro and outro music for this show was used with permission by Andrew Parsons and that's a original composition of his and it's, it's really nice soothing music too actually, I must admit. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Jabwarung people. Grampians Community Health would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land at which this episode was recorded and edited and produced on and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Like I said before, follow us on social media and you can also like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, uh, on iHeartRadio, sorry, on Stitcher, on Player FM, Amazon, Google, anywhere good podcasts are found. Still working on, on um, Spotify, but hopefully soon, hopefully soon. My name's Gareth Oliver. I really hope you've enjoyed this show. I'll be back again uh, very shortly with another episode. Got some really good stuff coming up in the next few months too in the lead up to, um, to the end of this crazy year that we've had. So until next week, thank you for joining me and we'll talk to you again very, very shortly. So long.